Welcome to episode 50 of Iron Man Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alright guys, so welcome along to episode 50 of Iron Man Talk, brought to you by Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Oz. How you going, John? And coffees of Hawaii. And coffee. You came in early today. I did. Hey? <laughs> Normally I kind of do a bit of a talk and then do that bit. There's a few lucky punters out there that now have their hands on a few coffees of Hawaii products, yeah. courtesy of... Uh, We're handling it out at the expo, weren't yeah. we? Doing our bit for the sponsors. So anyway, in this week's show, well it's obviously a big week for us week in the show this week because we've got... Uh, Iron Man New Zealand happened on the weekend, and so we're really just going to be covering most of the show on that. And the really cool thing is that we've also got an interview with Joe Lawn that we took, oh, I went and met up with Joe during the week before the race, and uh, it's quite funny because she was having a massage at the time. So, oh, really? Yeah, <laughs> so you hear the squeaky table in the back, so it was just the massage table. <laughs> and uh, and uh, she was a really good interview, it goes for about half an hour, and uh, we've got a couple other things, we're going to do a high five. We've got, a, we've got quite a... Well, we're combining High Five, aren't we? Why are we doing that, John? We're doing the High Five Age Grouper of the Week double because um, we knew quite a few people racing at the weekend and we thought there were some pretty outstanding performances, so we're giving a few people a bit of, a little bit of credit. Yep, and uh, we've had lots of suggestions as well. So anyway, let's get into it. So the news for the week, or Taupo from our perspective. That's right. From the Iron Man Talk perspective. So Race Week, do you want to start off? Race Week. We had a lot of, lots of people emailing in, wishing us all the best. Yeah, no, thanks for that. We had lots and lots of support, and we really appreciate you guys emailing us and uh, giving us support. So I went up on, uh, what day did I go up? Thursday morning. Got this safe and sound. Bike was in one piece. Felt pretty good all week. Um, weather conditions got up there was pretty average, you know, yeah. but I think it had been pretty hot. So I felt fine going to the race. There was no dramas. My, I had some issues with my groin, but I knew that was probably not going to slow me down on the day. Yep. Uh, so no, going into the race, I felt fine. Wasn't nervous at all. Uh, a few people that were staying in the same place as me were getting all nervous and going, why are you worried? No, yeah, I've been there before, and, and I really don't get very nervous before races. So, yep. you know, things, uh, things looked fairly positive before the race. <laughs> How about you? Yeah, well, so I went up on the Monday, so I was there for a week earlier, and... Uh, I'm kind of glad I went early, A, because I got away from the world and could relax, but B, just lots of little things were going wrong, and so I had the time to, like, little things for my bike, for example, uh, the Speedo Reader on the that's attached to the bike, the battery ran flat, and just little right. things like that you just had to kind of fix up, so had a lot of time to kind of spend a couple hours a day just fixing those little things up, and then uh, got an interview with Joe, which is kind of cool, and my sister was up there, and she was really awesome, my sister was my support crew, and... Uh, she she basically was my 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 handy woman all week, and she fed me and looked after me, so it was really cool. And yeah, no, I'm not a nervous person either. I was really looking forward to the race, and I was kind of uh, got up on the morning of the race, felt ready to go. You know, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And so we thought we'd just talk through our day, sort of a swim, bike, and run. Um, yeah. For the swim, for me, I got in, felt felt okay. Uh, I was looking around for people to draft, and I wasn't quite sure who to draft because I knew there weren't any real gun swimmers. Um, and so I was sort of looking out for Cameron or for Luke Bell or one of the, one of the guys that I knew were fairly fairly quick. And luckily, I saw Luke Bell just before the gun went off, so basically lined up right next to him. Axel was on the other side of him. I thought Axel would jump straight on my feet. Yeah. Um, so I jumped on Luke's feet straight off the off the gun, and he pulled me off the line quite nicely. Um, and then sort of started to pull away. I knew I wasn't probably going to stay with him, but he pulled me off the line, which is quite good. And I was uh, looking across, and I was a little bit off course once he sort of pulled away. We both were, actually. Um, so then I pulled across the main pack and then really just settled in. Um, and then the age groupers, you know, we had about a 10-meter head start, and then some age groupers started coming around us. And 
and then I just got clocked like I've never been clocked before. Somebody got uh, beaten up. Oh man, some age grouper just absolutely smacked me in the face and basically <laughs> got me straight in the eye. Um, and I, it wasn't intentional. I think my my head was just in the right position when his hand was coming in. Really clocked me right in the eye. Got a big black eye afterwards, and uh, and my goggles went flying off. So if you want a free pair of uh, blue seventy brand new <laughs> goggles, only worn once. At around about 1k into the swim in Lake Taupo. <laughs> Golf balls at the bottom too, aren't they? <laughs> set sitting on the bottom. So that wasn't, yeah, for some people that'd be a really big issue. But for me, I often swim without goggles. Uh, and given that it's a lake, it really wasn't an issue. It probably took me about 500 metres or so to get my eyes sort of readjusted to the water. So what about like, drafting off other people? Because I was obviously looking to find the draft. Uh, it's fine because it's in, it's in... You still see quite yeah, clearly. I mean, yeah. the only reason why I actually wear goggles in, in, in lake swims is um, what I found in, Ta- in Wanaka. I didn't actually wear any goggles and my eyes were just a little bit misty coming out of the water purely, I guess, just because of having open, open eyes and, and water for around about an hour. So it wasn't too much of an issue and I just keep my eyes open quite a bit of the time and just follow the bubbles so it's just not quite as clear. Yep. But that's exactly why I don't wear goggles in the past, because they get knocked off. There you go. And it uh, happens to you. Yeah. And <laughs> Irony. So, exactly. So the rest of the swim was pretty uneventful. I actually had a tactic of actually taking it a little bit easier than, than usual in the swim. Uh, and I was probably about 30 seconds off where I wanted to be coming out of the swim. Most of the guys were coming out in around about 50, 50 minutes and 30 seconds, and I was 51. Uh, so I was just a little bit off there, so that was a little bit disappointing, but, but it wasn't too much of a drama. And uh, yeah, no, apart from that, no major drama's got some good drafts, um, got a little annoyed with people sort of not swimming, um, you know, just settling into a line, they keep sort of moving around and bumping off yeah. each other, and I just thought, why don't you just bloody get in a line and stay there? Yep. So that was a little annoying, but apart from that, it was uh, a fairly straightforward swim. And you had a bloody blinder, of some, I saw the split, I thought you swam about a 54, but it looked like you swam... It's quicker than that, did you? Oh, did I? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Well, I thought I swam a 54. So, uh, for me, the swim. So, it started off really well. I basically, I worked pretty hard for the first couple hundred metres to make sure I was in a good pack. And then uh, after that, I just really focused on my three-stroke breathing and uh, long strokes and kind of just making sure I was catching the water and found some good feet to draft off. For me, the first half of the swim just went so fast. Did you find yeah. that? No. <laughs> oh, so I just I got to halfway and I was like, man, I'm flying here. I was thinking, I'm going to be doing like a 50 minute. I was just like, yeah. I just um, maybe the pack I was in. And then we got around and we turned back and the pack slowed down quite a lot. Yeah. So about that stage, I turned and I realized Axel was next to me. Right. And uh, Axel is a, like maybe two or three minutes, no, probably a two minute better swimmer than I am. And the pool is a lot faster than me. So having yeah. Axel next to me was quite a nice feeling. And I, I really did think I was doing quite well in my swim. With about two-thirds into the swim, my calf cramped like crazy. My right calf just basically tightened up. And uh, and because you've got nothing to push off, you can't. I couldn't get it out. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm basically just using my arms to try to stay off the pack. That lasted for about 30 seconds. And I don't think I lost that much time through there. I think I may have lost a few, maybe 10, 15 seconds. But I managed to just hold on to the pack. And then as we came around the last boy to head into the, you know, in, onto the road... Uh, it cramped again, and so I was getting close to the to stand up. So I stood up, and I thought I'll just walk in, but it was so high and I wasn't moving. <laughs> so I was pretty happy with my swim. I think I well, I, I I'm pretty sure it was around 54 when I came out of the water, and uh, I was pretty happy with it. I felt comfortable. I didn't think I would swim too hard. The cramping was a little bit of a problem, but it wasn't too much really. And it was, uh, I think, my epic camp experience of you know, like if anything, uh, getting out and training with lots and lots of people, like a good 10, 15 people, you know, or guys or girls in the water. It's so good for your drafting, and I think that's the main improvement I've made in my swimming. That's a big improvement for you. Like that's 
if it was 52 or 54, you normally swim about an hour, don't you? Yeah, so, yeah. So. Big improvement uh, for, for me. And, and the main thing was that I didn't swim any more intense. Yeah. You know, like it was the same intensity I've done any other swimming. So, yeah. On to the bike for me. I actually had a massive collision in transition area. Oh, did you? <laughs> I told you about this. Because the pros are, are right down one end of the, um, what the one end, one corner of the transition area. And the you come out of the tent at the complete opposite other corner of transition area. So I was trying to figure out which way I should go around transition, and I decided to go probably the wrong way actually. And did so you go I, down and out. Did yeah. You? Oh. So I was actually running against a couple of cyclists, and I came around the corner of uh, of the transition. There was a guy coming out, and I was looking at him, going, "I'm going to go on his inside." And then all of a sudden, he changed direction, oh, and no. we just connected. Oh really? <laughs> there was a guy actually from Tabo Duncan Milne who got. So you got uh, beaten seven. up in the goggles, you yeah. had a collision. He, we both, basically, it was a full-on shoulder charge. I went flying, he hit the deck, and uh, we both just thought, fuck it, this, we just got to get on and carry on. Wow. Um, so that was pretty pretty full-on. And then the bike for me uh, started off, um, guys were going past me like you would not believe. I had uh, probably about, uh, about the 15k mark that Johansson came past me, yeah. and he was just ripping it. He was going a good 5k an hour quicker than me. Yeah. And I just had guys constantly coming past me, but I sort of just thought, no, bugger this, I'm just going to stay in the zone. And uh, and really did until um, I got caught by a little bit of a pack, which included Shingo Tani and, uh, and Greg Frey and one or two others. So I thought I'll stay with them. And it was a little bit hard, stayed with them for a while, and then I thought, no, bugger this, I'm going to drop off again. Um, it just felt really flat at the start of the bike, you know. Uh, just could it, I was sticking to my heart rate zones, but I knew I wasn't going very quickly, which is yeah. a bit of concern, but I thought, in a bugger, I've just got to stick here and, and see how it goes. Got to the first turn at Repera, which is, you know, around about 45k. Um, came back, and I saw you guys coming probably maybe a minute or, or maybe a minute and a half down. Yep. And I thought, oh, it's just a matter of time before they catch me. And I thought, I'll just keep it cool until they get here. And then um, and then hopefully I can just sort of uh, sit in the pack a little bit. Legal draft distance, obviously. Yep. Um, because I knew you guys were probably riding at a relatively sensible pace. And just, I was feeling really bad. Just as you guys caught me, I was having this ginormous pee coming down this hill. Oh, yeah. And, was going, oh. and then Bevan rides up to me, or Axel rides up to me, and goes, hey, man. And I'm just, I'm just... Just give me a moment. <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> and uh, No, it wasn't actually. It was Axel. Yeah. And then Bevan rides past me, and his bloody bottle cage is rattling away. And I thought, I'm not sitting behind him, so I went straight back past him. And uh, and so I sat with you guys for a while, and, and Axel was just sitting on the front, and I was quite happy with that. It was I was probably a few beats higher than what I should have been, but I thought, you know, I'm just going to stick with this. So I was sort of checking the clock and going, I'm, I'm riding slow here. I've got to stick with this, otherwise I've got, you know, no chance... Yeah. So it was a little bit of a risk, but I was prepared to take that risk on the day. Um, and, yeah, then we, we got to halfway on the bike and Bevan sort of attacked on a climb, and I thought, that's fine. But I was a little way back, and I thought, I'm not going to chase him down. And I just sort of stayed with the pack, and the pack kind of split in two. Again, I wasn't too stressed because I knew I was going a little bit too hard. Um, and really just stayed with that pack, and, and we ended up working um, Working okay together. It's a, it's a topic we're going to come on to a bit, a bit later on. It's really frustrating when people are just sitting in there. Mm. Um, I had Greg Frayne, myself, and Ken Glar, and we were sort of sitting the legal distance at the front um, and just sort of uh, cruising along, and it was it was it was quite good fun. But yeah, I just felt flat on the bike, and I was watching the splits, and it came through halfway, and it was uh, what I come through halfway, and I went through in two thirty one, and I thought, oh, I was going a little bit too hard, and I only did two thirty one. This isn't looking too yeah. good. And, uh, yeah, came off the bike in 5.07, which is 10 minutes slower than what I rode two years ago, and it felt a lot harder. So, 
you know, um, it wasn't a great ride, and I really think that you know Wanaka had a bit to play with that. I thought I felt good going to the race, but I just it was an effort, real effort, and I rode ten minutes slower, yeah. so so that was a bit of a concern. Well, so my ride, so I got out of the water and I had a pretty quick transition. And who was the guy who won last year? Was it? Uh, Johansson. So yeah. he must be a slow swimmer as well, because yeah. yeah. And so he would just come. He was just going off his bike as I was coming up to my bike. And uh, at the same time, Axel was there. So I pretty much got on the bike, and Axel was there. And Axel was the other guy who we trained with from Christchurch. And him and I are quite similar on the bike. And we worked really well together. We kept the draft distance, and we basically were rotating at five minutes. Um, and uh, no drafting and stuff. And we got, yeah, we caught John's pack at about, I don't know, a little bit after 45. Or something. about 50. Something yeah, like 50Ks into it. And then it became quite a big pack. And there was some workers, and there were some people who just weren't doing any work. And I got a bit frustrated by that, because I kind of thought, if you're going to... I don't know, I just got frustrated with it, and, you know, at the same time, you know, if you, you know, you can do that, you can do that, so, when coming into the second lap, so we did the first lap, and I did the first lap in 2.27, and to be honest, I was surprised, because I, I didn't work, like, too intense, but I was working, and I was surprised mm. that I thought it would be going faster than that, to be honest, um, like, last time I did a 5.08, and I cruised it, Yeah. and this time, I was doing, you know, I was working harder than that and I was, it wasn't looking like I was going to go that much faster so then we got into second lap and yeah, I was pissed off with everyone sitting at the back so I got to the front of the hill and it's, I knew the special needs was coming so I thought I'll attack on special needs because I didn't really need anything and uh, see what happened so I attack and I got away and then Axel and a couple other guys who were some of the workers from the pack uh, jumped on and they caught me up about like, 2 or 3k up the road and uh, we worked really well and then we caught up some few more people and then by the about I don't know 20k to go on the ride there was a group of about eight of us, and most of us were... I was actually pretty tired by then, so I was thinking, I'm just going to sit at the back, because I think Axel was still keen to work. I was still working pretty hard at the front, and a couple of other guys were still working hard at the front, and uh, we had, like, 10K. And I knew, basically, once you got... The last, maybe, 5, 10K of Taupo is all downhill, so I knew once we got over that last hill, it was pretty sweet. By this stage, the drafting in the pack had got pretty bad. There's some. There's one guy in particular, and we're going to talk about this in the discussion of the week, but there's one guy who was just literally drafting. Um, the rest of us weren't. The rest of us were keeping a legal distance, but uh, one guy was just blatantly drafting, and mm. a marshal came up next to us, and he was right there, and, and he didn't seem to... Him, the marshal must have just decided that, well, these are the top guys, and we're near the end, which led him away from it, because he was right next to us, and this guy was just blatantly drafting. So that nothing happened there. Um... Just an interesting thing that happened during the ride is I was riding along behind Axel, at some stage, drafting behind him. Um, non-drafting, I should say. I was doing... Because what they tell you in Taupo is there's the white lines and the gap between the white lines on the road is seven metres and you should work based on that. And so that's what I worked on. So this marshal pulled up next to me and he goes to me, um, oh, I want you to make the distance a bit, lo- bit longer. And I was like, well... You know, I thought it was the gap with the white lines. He goes, no, well, I, I marshal at 10 metres. <laughs> <laughs> That's very odd. And, and I go to him, I go, what, you, you, but the rule's 7 metres. He goes, no, no, I marshal for 10 metres. <laughs> and I wasn't going to fight with the guy because he was the marshal, so I dropped back, but I just was astounded by that. Yeah, That's an odd call. <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm probably going to write to Jane about that, actually, because I think she needs to know what, you know, one rule for one marshal is not a good thing. <laughs> so, um, so, but that's cool, that's so bad. So, um... With about 10k to go, I realised I still need to probably work a little bit hard. Well, not hard, but I just need to keep temp up to a sub 5. Because mm. I really wanted to get sub 5. My goal going into the race was to do a sub 55, a sub 5, and a sub 3, and then I get my sub 9. So uh, I kind of pushed the tempo a little bit towards the end just to make sure I could get that sub 5. Came in like 4, 4, 9. But I was really happy with my ride. To be honest, I was surprised how hard I had to work to get the 5. I thought with the intensity I rode it, I felt I would have been closer to 4, 50. Mm. Mm, so, mm. 
Um, and one other thing, just from my ride, is, and we've said this once or twice before, but with regards to special needs bags, um, don't expect always to get them because I didn't get mine. Mm. And uh, and I was going nine, my number was nine. I was going nine, 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 nine. And then a few other words came out when I'd ridden, <laughs> when I'd ridden past special needs and there was nothing in my hands. Were you reliant on it? I wasn't. So um, uh, there was definitely stuff I would have had in there. Yeah. And. Uh, but it was, yeah, it was a. I mean, I've always said to people, don't expect to get your special needs, but I haven't heard many cases of people not actually getting it. Mm. But I didn't get it, so. Although there was a lot of cyclists at that time, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. Our bunch probably had like, maybe 10, 15 at that time. So yeah. it was, and it was kind of, I think because I attacked everyone, got confused. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bit of. So mm. it, it was slow bike times. I expected you to ride quicker. I expected Axel to ride quicker. Mm. Um, and, and But a lot of the bike times seemed to be really slow. Uh, well, at least for the pros. Yeah, and yeah. I haven't got a good explanation for that. Other than that, um, the race, and we'll go on to the elites later on, there was basically three guys off the front, uh, Cameron, Luke Bell, and, and Sinbali. And there wasn't really much in between. There wasn't the likes of Gordo and Chris McDonald here that often sort of pull that second pack along, yeah. the second or third pack. It was so, like the real elite guys, and then there's like lots of nine-hour guys there. Yeah, yeah, so I guess that's probably the only explanation because conditions were good. The course was exactly the same, I think, from uh, previous years. I don't think there was yep. any changes no, on the change. bike course. Mm-hmm. So it was a bit odd. Um, yeah. yeah. I haven't got a great explanation for it that was, one. But yeah, I find it really interesting because, as I was saying earlier, like when I did the 508, I pretty much rode by myself the whole time anyway because mm. I was a way slower swimmer back in those days. And, yeah. and, and I wrote, last time I rode 457 and I rode uh, 100k of that by myself yeah. and it was nowhere near as challenging. So, so. yeah, it was an interesting. Interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. And on to the run for me. Uh, I came off the bike and, and wasn't really in a happy place. Um, but I thought, no, bugger this, I'm going to give it a good crack. And I knew that I was um, going to have to have a pretty a pretty solid run if I was going to break nine hours. But, yeah. but I saw where the other guys were, and I thought, you know, nine hours is going to be a real, real stretch. But I thought, bugger this, I've still got a very good chance of getting in the top ten looking where people were. Yeah. And uh, in hindsight, if I had ran well, I would have gotten in the top ten. Yeah. Um, but I, so I set off, and you know, the, the goal was to sort of run around between sort of four minutes and four minutes fifteen was going to be the slowest sort of K pace. Started off okay, um, and uh, unfortunately the K markers didn't seem to be that accurate, which was I was finding mm. a little annoying. But um, I was running at the right pace. But as with the bike, it was it was a little bit more effort. And Wanaka, I was running at the same pace, and it was just cruise mode, yeah. um, for just rolling off four minute fourteen sort of Ks. And this, I was doing it. Um, but it was an effort, and and I had in the back of my mind, I think, mm, this might come back to bite me, but I thought, no, bugger, I'm going to give it a nudge. Fuel was going in okay, something was a little unsettled. Um, went through halfway in just over 1.30, um, basically running the same pace as Bevan, and I thought, well, you know, 1.30, I, I'm not going to be able to go sub-3, which is, which is what I was sort of expecting to do. Um, and Wanaka, I think I went through halfway in about 1.27, yeah. so, and I ran a 3.02. So I thought, oh, well, if I could just hold it together, you know, if I do 1.30, I could hopefully hold maybe like a 1.35 or something like that for the first half, and I'd still have a, a respectable finish. Kept cruising until probably about 25k, and then started to slow, and then just got progressively slow, and by the time I got to 30, I was um, I was pretty much history. Yeah. About the time that I caught up to Bevan, yeah. and uh, and from then it was just, uh, you know, the, the slog fest, just getting to the finish. Um, so wasn't really a lot of fun. Um, so came across the line in 9.32, I think, which is, I think, my slowest Ironman, yeah. <laughs> or equal slowest Ironman, so that was pretty disappointing. But, um, you know, it was always going to be an experiment for me, sort of racing close together, and I think um, 
I don't necessarily think it was the race that took me out. It was uh, the fact that I didn't get that quality training in between the two. Yeah. Um, I got the training I wanted to do, but it meant I'd had a, a fairly big sort of taper period and then a rest period, and, and so I think that was probably the, the main factor. But, um, you know, I was pretty happy that I really didn't give up. I thought there were a couple of times so I, th- I wanted to pull out, but I just thought I'll keep plugging away. Got to the finish, and... Um, yeah, that was that really. Yeah. <laughs> there wasn't yeah, much else to be said. It was. Uh, I was very glad it was over. It was getting pretty hot out there on the run. Yeah, it was getting hot, wasn't it? Yeah. So for me, for the run, I came in quick transition. I actually got a bit of a gap on Axel, but he caught me up a couple of k's into it. Um, and then Axel and I run together pretty much the first lap. Now I was in such a rush in the transition, I didn't take my watch with me, so I didn't really know my splits. But I wasn't too concerned because I'm not someone who runs to splits religiously. So I knew Axel was kind of keeping an eye on things. Um, first step I was feeling really good my, I did cramp when I first started running so what I did is I shortened up my step and just went fast feet and uh, and that seemed to work really well and the first step I was feeling great I was thinking you know what I'm going to do this night now you know I'm, mm-hmm. I'm feeling really good and my self talk was, was just a belief was there and um, I was feeling pretty good we got to about maybe about 19k's into it and I thought oh I'm starting to feel a little tired now and I was thinking oh you know I'm going to have to be a bit careful now and at that time Axel actually put a bit of a break on me he went downhill a little bit faster than me at some stage and he only put maybe 10, 15, 20 metres into me but I just didn't want to chase him at that stage. I was thinking, you know what? Because my goal going into the race was as soon as I get to halfway, I'm going to pick up the pace and really try cane that, that third quarter of the run and then just hold on to get home. So I let Axel kind of make a bit of a break on me there. And then getting closer and closer to halfway, I was thinking, holy shit, I'm in a bit of trouble here. Mm. And got to halfway, and we'd, we'd done an hour and a half, or I'd done an hour and a half for the first half. And so I was thinking to myself, well, I'm pretty much going to have to do an hour and a half or an hour 31. I knew if I could do an hour 31, I'd get the sub nine to do the second half and came around the corner where where I really want to pick up the pace and that's when you passed me you said come on <laughs> and, and I knew I was, I knew I was going to struggle but I thought I've got to have a shot I've got to take a risk here because I want to yeah. try to get this I'd rather blow up and try than yeah. kind of come in kind of midway and not try so I really went really really hard to try push the tempo and I did go faster I went faster for about 3k's and uh, I, was, I was really working hard to, to get there. But then once the hill started coming in, I just basically blew up. The first little up we had, I just yeah. I just completely lost it. And uh, from there, it was just survival. I just, as soon as I blew, it was like, I went from trying to work really hard, going a reasonably good pace to just, you know, just like cruel pace. Yeah. And I was just going so slow. Uh, and so at that stage, I was like, oh, well, your day's over, but there's no way I'm going to bloody walk. <laughs> so I went to like a really slow run and uh, just walk, like just basically didn't walk and I uh, had an ultra slow, like coming back, the K's <laughs> were just like slow. It was like putting slow motion on your video player. And, <laughs> and uh, so I got to about, I, I got to about 4K to go home and, uh, you know, like I was, I wasn't gutted, you know, that's, that's what it takes, I suppose. And uh I just thought, oh, well, I'm still down an Ironman, and you know the crowds are pretty cool, and so I was just enjoying it, and got down the finishing shoot, and you know you're disappointed, but at the same time I have done an Ironman, and you know I, I ended up doing like a 9:40, I think it was, and uh, yeah, I think for me where did, where did I go wrong? I'm not, I'm just not sure because I didn't feel I trained, I didn't feel I went too hard on the bike, I felt mm. I didn't swim too hard. Maybe I hadn't had enough run legs with the injury because mm. I only really ran from Epic Camp onwards, so maybe that was it. Um, for me, I've really got to get on top of my cramping issues. I think mm-hmm. I've got to really figure out some nutrition, maybe get up, catch up for Emma on that one. And Andrew, he wants to have a bit of a yarn about that stuff. And uh, I think until I can run without having to stress about cramping, because, like, for example, the style I ran is completely different to the style I normally run in, so mm-hmm. using different muscle groups. And um, So I've got to change my running style out of race so it accommodates for that or really just get on top of the cramping issues. But at the end of the day, I was pretty happy. You know, I think for me what I took from it is that 
I know I can dig deep even though mm. I didn't get the result. And so, yeah, that was cool. You often learn more from your failures than you do from yeah. your successes. And for yeah. you, you've had good races all the way. Yeah, this done. is the first time I haven't achieved my goal. So, yeah, so, so uh, you'll, you'll learn a lot from that. Don't mm. worry. And I think, you know, like nine hours is a hard goal. And, you know, like, if, yeah. Yeah, I've obviously got to work harder to get it. So it's, bring it on. Yeah. So that was sort of how our race unfolded for us. And in terms of the elites, I mean, you probably really followed it on on Ironman.com. But just a quick rundown: uh, it really was, yeah, Cameron's a legend. It really was just a three-horse race. The, the rest of the race, very very slow times for the top ten for the guys yeah. um, after third place compared to normal. Um, I gave a lot of people the example. I did 9:04 and got tenth in 2005 and that was one of the slower 10th places when you look back through the results yeah you normally have to go sub 9 don't you yeah this year I mean 4th um, place was 8.53 so when we looked at this field on paper last week it was a bloody strong field yeah um, but a lot of guys capitulated and I was saying that they weren't going to do that but they did um, you know uh, John Ben a very strong athlete he pulled out Kai Huntermark he um, blew up on the run and had a very slow bike considering yeah. he's an ex-cyclist Brent Lawrenson, he pulled out on the bike. Um, Johansson, he uh, got two punches, punches yeah. so he was out. So that really diluted the field quite a bit. Um, and so, so the top top ten, there's quite a few Kiwis in there who did yeah. really well. Uh, so it really was a three horse race. Johansson, uh, not Johansson, um, what's his name? Sinbali. He uh, surged to the front on the bike, had a seven minute lead coming off the bike, which was to be expected. To be expected, but I think he, he would have wanted more. He, if he had ten minutes, I think he would have thought, "Oh, I've got a chance at this." Yep. But I think seven minutes was never going to be enough. And Cameron Brown and Luke Bell, uh, there was a bit of a gap off the bike, but Cameron bridged up to Bell pretty quickly, and they ran side by side till around about thirty seven k's, and then Cameron just uh, dropped the hammer and put Luke Bell. In the rightful place where those Aussies should be. Yeah, that's right. In the second it's place. Like the cricket. <laughs> <laughs> so he had a fantastic race. He was ill before the race, and uh, and just a, a, a brilliant race. Not as not as quickest, you know. Again, fairly slow time for the oh, elite no, guys. Oh, he did two twenty-six, but he only ran a, a two fifty-one. Yeah, the run was the fastest. Him. Yeah, and, but again, he had to do a lot of the riding by well, pretty much all the ride by himself. So I'm sure that had a big factor in his his, his slower run split. Normally, he's got a lot of guys around him. Yeah. So well, I think the nice thing is that often in Taupo Cam hasn't had the strongest level of competition. No, you know, and I think Luke Bell, you know, Luke Bell is one of the top ten guys in the world, you know, yeah. of of Cameron's standard. And uh, Cameron had had a hard week. He basically three days before the race, he was spewing and pooing mm. <laughs> big time, mm. and uh, you know, to the point where he maybe even had to pull out of the race and uh, to have run run with Luke that whole run because basically they ran the whole time together, didn't they? Yeah, and. Uh, and then to have the guts to pull through and actually break away was just an amazing effort. Like at the finish line, he was just literally lying on the ground and just yeah. lying away. My parents were just saying it was just unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. And the girls, it really was uh, Joe Lorne, just blitzed them all. Yeah. Uh, amazing swim for her. Had a strong ride. Really strong ride. Uh, I think she, she did her fastest swim, her fastest bike ever, and then uh, just sort of hung tough on the run. So brilliant performance from her. Yeah. But the girls behind her didn't give up. They were running her down. Um, Heather Golnick was second, strong yep. second. And what was the name of the third place? Lofter. Kim Lofter. Yeah, Lofter. No, she's got a funny running style, man. She looked like she was moving pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. Um, she rolled into third just past Hilary Biscay. Yeah. Uh, so it was pretty close between those three. Um, it was good racing, really. And yeah, then, they uh, all bet me this one. So. <laughs> <laughs> Gina Ferguson, the first time Ironman was fifth. Um, yeah. I think she had a pretty pretty tough day, but you know it was a pretty pretty strong debut. Yeah. 
So that's pretty Check much out um, all the rest of the stuff on ironman.com. Ironman.com. Just also big ups to everyone who came and met us over the week. It was uh, pretty mm. cool to meet lots of the people who listened to the show. We got lots of good feedback, like don't eat. Yeah. When we're doing the show. It's a more. And uh, we got to meet a few of the Tri Talk boys. And uh, we just got to meet lots and lots of our listeners. And it was really great to actually have some faces and yep. see you guys are enjoying the show. And uh, yeah, no, it was good times. It was. Yeah, it was good so, times. so that was Ironman New Zealand 2007. It was a bloody good race. You know, uh, we didn't have a great day, but it's a, it's a great venue. They had a great day. And uh, it's it's a relatively, you know, there's lots of Kona slots there. There's 80 Kona yeah. slots there. So if you are interested in qualifying, it's probably <laughs> so one of the easiest. Enter ones. as a pro because it's basically John and I. Oh, yeah. So I go. I didn't go to the roll down because I didn't really care because I didn't want to go to Hawaii. Did you go? You didn't go no. either. So we go to the dinner at night. Everyone's going, Bevan, 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 we're going to go to Kona. I was yeah. like, no, because we'd rolled down. Rolled down all the way in the pros. All the way in the pros. And I came in, I think, 15th or 16th. Yeah. And, and yeah, Keep and the roll down passed me. Rolled so, all the way. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. Aye. Mm. Yeah, so there you go. What's up next for you then? Uh, to be confirmed. To be confirmed. Just going to be uh, cruising over winter. I've got a few other little projects on the go. Nice. <laughs> Which projects. some of you know about. <laughs> oh, a bit of secrecy, eh? Yeah. Oh, nice. Well, I'm thinking of doing Roth. I've got a fundraiser. If anyone wants to sponsor Bevan James Owens, feel free. Um, but I've got a fundraiser for that. And then if I can fundraise that money pretty much in the next two or three weeks. So it's going to be a pretty full-on fundraising. Yeah. <laughs> but if I can do that, uh, then I'll go over and do Roth and right. uh, Root. Or yeah. Root. 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 <laughs> and uh, so I'm looking forward to that. That'd be a pretty awesome experience because Axel's going to be there and I think Del Campo's going to go over and a few of our listeners are going to be there as well. So it'd be really cool. Um, and other news? Yes. One thing that we did notice at Ironman New Zealand, when they were coming down the finishing shoot, Joe Lorne and Cameron Brown were not wearing Tri Dubai gear. Yeah, which is really interesting. And uh, I had a very brief chat to Cameron. He just said, no, it's it's not not happening anymore. So it's obviously been and gone. And for those guys, that's going to be a big kick, uh, their sort of earnings of the year, because I I don't know the exact figures they were getting, but it was a pretty sweet deal. So... Not quite sure what the, the background behind that is, but try to buy is no longer. Well, I was talking to Joe after the interview that we have later in the show, and Sirius is saying how when you got it, you don't really realise how lucky you are because it was just such a great sponsor, and that it's one of those really rare sponsorships that comes along, and so uh, it's just unfortunate, it's, you know, because it's kind of good for those top guys to get their good money, isn't it? Because, mm. you know. But but on another angle, uh, there's just so much money around the you know those Arab states with all the the oil and and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, just something that turned up in my inbox the other day. There's, they've got a, a cycling race down there called the Abu Dhabi the Abu Dhabi Debu Cycling Race of Champions 2007. Uh, it's going to be in November this year. But what sort of caught my attention was there's going to be a million dollars prize money. So uh, that's you know if something like that happens in triathlon and they have a million dollars, then That'd be awesome, eh? Things are going to start changing pretty quickly. Yeah. And I think you'll see a lot of people doing other sports, you know, runners and swimmers. I think you'll see a big switch for them coming across to triathlon. So. Although it doesn't look like it's going to happen, does it? Like this, this is a cycling well, thing. Well, they're starting to. They've got a World Cup race over there in Jordan now. Um, and so, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if something's going to happen wow, sooner that'd or later. Amazing. Yeah, that'd be really great. I don't, I don't know if they could hold an Ironman there. I think it's just too. Well, they hold an Ironman in Malaysia. It's pretty hot over there. Yeah. Um, but I'm sure that WTC probably want to get in there. There's just so much money. Yeah. So, yeah, um, so that's interesting. So, our next race, we've got Ironman South Africa coming up on the 18th of March. So, that's the next one we'll be looking mm-hmm. forward to. Good luck for everybody getting ready for that. Yeah, bring it on. Also, we had our stretching book on the website last week, and uh, we had some more questions about that. So if you want to go onto our website, we've got the link on our front page there, and you guys can basically just click on that, 
and uh, go to the website that actually, if you buy it, then we get a bit of a bit of money from it. We do, which is a good thing. And uh, yeah, it's all good. And also, apparently, the link to the drugs article wasn't working last week. Now, to be honest. I was I was getting the website just as the plane was leaving, so I was like pretty rushed. So I may have missed that link. So I'm going to put that link up there again on the website on www.imantalk.com this week as well. So nice. Let's put some music on, eh? Oh, oh back it up. Discussion up. of the week. Hold on, hold on. We've got one. Oh, other back race. it up again. Back it up again. Oh. Just one other thing we had him from uh, your mate Bainsey. Oh, yeah. oh Bainsey. Uh, he's just saying there's a the ball buster duathlon <laughs> ball is coming buster. up on the 10th of March. So if you go to humanrace.co.nz. You can find out the details there, but I mentioned uh, .co.uk. It's not anything yeah. said, uh, but it sounds like a bit of a ball buster. A bit of a ball buster. So uh, if any of you try to talk out there, <laughs> go out there and give it a crack. Can you explain? No, it's okay. Move on. <laughs> Move on. Oh, it's the simple things. All right, then, so our topic of the week, we had a pretty big topic of the week last week, and we said if you were a pretty good athlete and you knew you could take a drug that wasn't going to get, you know, you weren't going to get found out and it would make you the best in the world... Would you take it? Mm. Now, we've got a lot, a lot of answers here, which we love, and we've got a lot, a lot of details. So we're basically going to give a bit of an overview of, of everything because uh, this show is going to be bloody take forever. forever. Yeah. So what sort of happened is what I expected to happen to start was everybody's coming out saying, oh, I'd never take drugs, you know, yeah. Rah, 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 yeah. which is exactly what I thought might happen. But it was great towards the end of the thread when a couple of other guys sort of spiced it up oh, a little Fegan bit. Oh, the druggie. Yeah. <laughs> he came on and said, you know, um, it would have to you know, it depends what context you're looking at it. If, if this was your job and you had to support your family and things like that, then, you know, it, it might be uh, a little bit different. And he brought up a good point, which I was hoping was going to come up, is where do you draw the line with drugs, you know? Is um, just because it's not on the banned list, is it taking something, you know, like he's using an example, glycerol, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's, is that taking drugs? Is taking multivitamins drugs? Is taking... Um, yeah. Caffeine and People all these different things. are in a race. Exactly. So, so yeah. where do you draw the line? Um, so, and, and the, I don't have a clear answer to that. I know that the WADA were trying to ban um, altitude uh, simulation machines. Um, you know, so because it's performance enhancing. Performance enhancing. Yeah. So, where do you draw the line? Very, very tricky. So, it is a fascinating topic, and uh, we could probably spend a whole show talking about yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, to go in there and read up. The general comments were you've basically got people. Some I read some, and I was saying oh, I read them all. But some of the people were saying like it really depends on your situation. Like most people, when they said from my own perspective, I wouldn't. And uh, and then some people said even if I was the top guy, I wouldn't because it takes away from my performance. But if someone was writing, and I can't really give the credit on the name at the moment. But how you know it's different when it's your job. Mm. You know what I mean? If like if you're trying to set up your life for your family and all that stuff. Then you know it's a different situation than just trying to be the best athlete that you can be, and uh, maybe I can understand it that way. Mm. Um, would you? Um, well, I'm just going to bring up this thing up the top there that um, actually I knew about this article that Neil Scholes yeah. said that uh, you know they did a survey of a whole bunch of athletes, and 85% of them said if they took something that could make them a world championship, world champion, or Olympic champion, or something like that. No, fifty-three percent. Fifty-three percent said that they would, and it would mean that they'd die in five years. So, um, that's oh, really? Of, yeah. Like it says, if it killed you in five years after taking it, would you still take it? Fifty-three percent wow, said yes. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. So that gives you a perspective of the elite athlete, um, whether they would take it or not. And neither, I, I got to sort of a, a reasonably high level and yep. sort of short course triathlon, but I wasn't at that level where. Um, but drugs may have taken you that way. 
I would have never got to that that high level. So yeah. I would have obviously improved by taking drugs, but but uh, I wouldn't have been an Olympic champion or yep. world champion. But I think you know, if put in perspective, would I do it? Well, uh, it's it's hard to say because I, I never sort of got to that level. If I was a cyclist and I was riding, um, I think I'd be very surprised. You know, it's just so hard. It must be so hard not to take drugs when you know yep. everybody around you is taking drugs, and uh, so I think that would be a very challenging situation. In triathlon, I don't think I'd ever. I don't think I would take them, um, to be honest. But, yeah. I mean, I've taken things before that that you know, um, you know, like glycerol and things like that. I've never. <laughs> so I, but it roids me. I, I <laughs> but a roid rage. I've never taken anything that uh, has been on the banned list, but yeah. I have taken things yeah. that that I was hoping may enhance my performance that mm. weren't or on quinine, the banned list, for example. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, if, if, but if something was going to have a uh, effect on my health, I don't think I'd take it. So for me, like in triathlon, it's just it's, it's not a career for me. It's a personal challenge. So mm. um, while I want to, you know, be a pro and I'd like to have those experiences, there's no way I, I care to do drugs. But I look at American sports. If I was a if I was a 17 or 18 year old kid who was pretty good at basketball and could make it in the NBA, mm-hmm. where you're looking, you know, 10 years in the NBA, you're going to come out maybe worth 100 million dollars. Mm. Now. It's easy for me to sit here and say I wouldn't do it, but if, oh, if yeah. I had hunted that kind of and, 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 uh, the drugs was the next level that took me through to that next level, you know what? That's a pretty big well, thing to turn down. And in that situation, it's basically cut and dry. You're either going to make a lot of money, yeah. you know, even if you're a, a low level NBA player, yeah. you're either going to make a lot or you're basically going to make nothing. Yeah, uh, and, uh, you may, you, well, may have yeah. No, you may have another sort of avenue to go down, but a lot of those guys are in a situation yeah. where it's, it's everything or nothing. And they've only really just started testing in baseball, haven't they? So yeah. they basically conceded that the, you know drugs are a big part of the sport. So yeah, I don't know. I think for me, it, who I am right now in my life, definitely not because those opportunities no. aren't really realistic. But oh, when you're in that situation, it's that's that must be such a hard moral dilemma. Mm. So mm. yeah, no, really good. So a question for this week. So we're doing the race on the weekend, and towards the end of the ride, I was saying how there's a pack of about eight of us. And within that pack, we had one rider who was just blatantly drafting, like you wouldn't believe. It was cycle racing. And the rest of us were, were on, on the draft zone. It was really good, except for him. And I was getting really frustrated by him, especially when he was riding behind me. I felt like saying, you know, back it up, mate. Back it up, I felt like saying. <laughs> I was becoming an angry man. I was getting roid rage, you know. <laughs> um, and um, then when the marshal pulled up next to me, I felt like saying to the marshal, mate, you know, because at this stage the marshal was being quite lenient on the group, and this guy was still... He'd pull back a little bit, but he's still in the drafting zone. I felt like saying to the marshal, "Look, mate, you really need to pull this guy up because he's, you know, he's blatantly yeah. cheating." But I didn't because I don't know. I've got that kind of prison kind of mentality. Yeah. <laughs> you don't knock. <laughs> but, but we want to know if you're in that situation in a race, should you tell the marshal that the person's drafting, or should you tell the marshal for the person in the group to look out for? Because mm. um, I know I, I really felt like I was on the verge of doing it because he was just. You know, like it was just blatant yeah. drafting. You know, like sure, sometimes you go in the gap and you back it off, and you know, there's those things happen. But I don't know when you're blatantly drafting. I was getting a bit frustrated too with some other things in IPAC as well. So yeah, we'll see what you guys. Yeah. Have so to say. do you tell the marshal if do you, you know do you knock? And I was actually also uh, uh, one of the guys from Epic Camp did uh, Ironman Malaysia, and he said the drafting over there was like you wouldn't believe. And he was at the prize giving afterwards. And people were complaining about people not pulling their weight actually into the pack draft. Oh, really? <laughs> wow. So, well, yeah. Rosie was saying it too. So for those who, Rosie basically got blisters really, really bad and he had to pull out because he yeah. couldn't run. But he was saying that he got a gap, but they just drafted right back to him. And yeah. Yeah. He's a bit frustrated by that. So here we um, go. There we go. Let's get some music on. Yeah. This is going to be a long show, isn't it? It is. We're already here. <laughs> here we go. 
age groupers of, of the week. week. We kind of chucked them through in there, didn't we, we did. Oh, We're so talented. Maybe not on the weekend, but now we are. <laughs> we're back with, we're we just keep to this. I know. <laughs> so anyway, we had we, we had so many people, and with this being our kind of our hometown race, uh, we just knew so many people. And uh, honestly, I could probably name twenty age groupers because lots yeah. of people are going, "Oh, I should nominate so and so." But we've kind of narrowed it down to five, and we really did base it on performance. Uh, the five people we've chosen just had amazing races, they did. didn't they? So, so let's start it now. Uh, first up, we had Gary Burgess, who's a Christchurch fella, um, who I actually coach. And he's in the 50 to 54 age group. Yep. And he blitzed the race. He did 9 hours, 50 minutes. I think he finished around about 44th or something like that overall. He was in the top 50 anyway. And But he's a fairly experienced campaigner, but he did a PB by around about 23 minutes. Yeah. So that was an outstanding performance. He won his age group, yeah, by 23 minutes. So very, very impressive. And like Gary, Gary is unbelievable because yeah. he's such a solid athlete anyway. Yeah. And to do that kind of time. I mean, the last few times he's gone like 10, 30, 10, 20, so just under 10, 20, and then 9, 50. Incredible. So, so is he doing, did he take a slot? Yeah, yeah, he's going away. He's going to be on well, the podium. Well, yeah, he could be on the podium if he has a good day there. Second one is great. He was, oh, he was in Epic Camp France as well. So. Nice. Well, it must be the reason. Yeah. Um, uh, who are we going next? We're going to go... David Craig. David Craig. Good old David Craig. Not Craig David. Not Craig David. because no, uh, <laughs> he told me off because I got it wrong. Uh, he uh, he was on Epic Camp New Zealand and uh, he had a blinder, didn't he? So yeah. he beat his PB by about 40 minutes. 45 minutes. 45 minutes and uh, already done Ironman. So again, it's, when you go from your first to your second race, you often get those kind of gaps. But when you, you've done a couple Ironmen and the experience, you know, to get that kind of gap is amazing. To do a sub-10... Um, he just he just blessed it, didn't he? Did. And he looked strong all day. Every time I saw him on the bike, he was looking strong, and on the run, he was looking strong, and uh, mm. just really put a solid effort in. Mm. And his kids were out yelling out my name. Yeah, I was loving it. I was always waving. Your dad's going well, I go. And I was thinking, holy <laughs> shit, dad's catching me. <laughs> <laughs> so same performance. He qualified for Hawaii as well. Yeah, so very good, very good. Next up was uh, Mr. Greg Frame, who's my girlfriend's coach. Yeah, yeah. very outstanding athlete. I mean, he he's been a, a, a fantastic sort of ex pro, but he's now I think he's in the forty to 44 age group yeah and he just blitzed I think he finished 11th overall but he's in that 44 age group so outstanding performance by him uh, and he would have actually gone quicker because he passed me fairly early in the bike and he was smoking but he had back cramps or something and he yeah lost so he was saying time. that he gets um, somatic oh, nerve yeah, yeah. and uh he basically decided to pull down, pull back on the bike. So, yeah. mm. so I'd hate to think how fast he's going to go if he can clear that up. Well, the thing is with um, Greg is that now when he goes to Hawaii, now this is an interesting thing. He goes to Hawaii, he goes up an age group. Oh yes, and I found it interesting that you can qualify in a lesser age group and still. I, yeah, I didn't know that because Gary actually did that last year, and he would have got sixth in his age group, but he didn't know about that. Oh, so, so you can choose to do well, either, can you? I don't know. <laughs> it sounds like yes. Yeah, so Greg's going to be forty-five when he does Hawaii, and he's saying yeah. that he takes him up an age group, and he's saying yeah. he was saying to me that. Uh, generally, in that age group, if you can do a 19 in Hawaii, you you could well that tends to be the time that wins it, and so um, he obviously can do that. Yeah. So, so watch out for him in Hawaii. Yeah. Now it's it's Keegan Williams. Was, okay. Yeah, Keegan Williams. Now this young guy was had a great race. This is his first Ironman. Mm. First Ironman, 26, did a 9:11:35, came in 10th place. Um, yeah. So he was 10th before one of the pros. Um, did a 52 swim, a five-hour bike, and a three-hour 12 run. Uh, solid all day. He went off pretty quick in the run because I was with him. He actually took off past Axel and I pretty early in the run. Yeah. Slowed up and we passed him again. And uh, and then towards the end of the run, obviously, he overtook me again. But uh, your first Ironman. Outstanding. That's 52-minute swim, 5-hour bike, 3.12 run. Pretty balanced race, really. 
Nice young kid too. I sent me down to him on the bus when we were going to the town the night yeah, after. Yeah. The big night on the town. And uh, he just seemed like a nice kid. I talked to him about being pro and he's like, oh, I don't know. There's no money in it. <laughs> so I go, well, I'd like to see, you know, like if you can put off that kind of time in your first time, man. Yeah. You know, in your 26, four or five more years, you yeah. know, it's yeah, solid talent. And the last one uh, was Shirley Ralston. Good old what, Shirley. What, what age group Shirley in? I don't know. Shirley <laughs> I think 55. She's off to Kona again, but amazing race. She won the age group. And uh, what's interesting about her is she does every race imaginable. Yeah, it was 55 her, to 59. So she did a 126 swim, 628 bike, and 533 run. Was, uh, somebody was telling me a story the, a few weeks ago. She did a half Ironman on the Saturday in Gore. Gore. And, oh. uh, and then she got back in her car and drove to Timaru, which is a few hours' drive away, and did an Olympic distance race the next yeah. day. She is. like She did Hawaii, and then the next week we saw her out training, remember? Yeah, bizarre. So. The great story with um, uh, Shirley this year is that Shirley has been doing Ironman for years and years and years, and she always really wanted to get the slot. Now, last year she managed to get the slot. It was the first time she ever actually got the slot to go to Hawaii, but with New Zealand Ironman last year... It was a bit of a Mickey Mouse race, and so although she got the slot, you could kind of say it wasn't really the same yeah. thing. Yeah. Whereas, so for her to come back this year and actually deservedly get the slot, you know, I think that I didn't actually talk to her, I didn't get a chance to catch up after the race, but I'm sure that means a lot to her. Yeah. So it was pretty solid effort from Shirley. So, so those, are, those our, are our age groupers. High five, age groupers. It's a beautiful thing. So next up, we have our interview with Joe Lorne. Now, this was done in the, a lounge, and she was getting a massage done at the same time, so you may hear some creaky sounds, and I was also passing the mic back and forth between my, her, myself and her. So the sound quality is not amazing, but it's not terrible either. She's a really good interview and gives some really good insight into the life of one of the top pros in the world. So big thanks to Joe Lorne, and uh, here we go. So I'm, I'm lucky enough to be in the room with Joe Lorne at the moment, and a massage therapist. What's your massage therapist's name? Uh, Roger Gooch. Roger Gooch is the man, and uh, we've got. She's got Ironman New Zealand coming up, coming up in about three days from now, and she's been fortunate enough to give us some of her time. So, basically, Jo Lorne, she's one of the top Iron women in the world at the moment. She's had two top fives in Hawaii, the fourth and the fifth. She's won New Zealand four times, and she was informing me that in her first ever half, and what was the name of that one again? Um, Kaho Half. It's in Hawaii. The Keaho half, which I think now is the Kona half, isn't it? The Kona 70.3. Um, she won that years and years ago, I imagine it must have been. Years and years. So anyway, so we just basically got her on board to kind of nut away at her brains and see, learn a little bit maybe for your listeners and just find out how she's feeling for the race coming up this weekend. So we might as well start with that. Well, how are you feeling coming up for the weekend, this race this weekend? Yeah, it's, I'm looking forward to it. Um, everything's in place, just have to now wait till race day. Yeah. This, this is your, your, this will be the okay, breaking the record for most consecutive wins for a female. Was that was a New Zealand record? Or, I'm, I'm not even sure. <laughs> oh, I, I think I was reading somewhere that you were. So now you've won it four times. It's it's an amazing achievement in itself. The pressure trying to get five on. How's that feel? And what kind of pressure does it bring on for you as an athlete? Really, the pressure for me is not so much about the, the tally of winning five. Uh, that the pressure is well, there shouldn't be any pressure. It's just winning the race yep. and then you know, I believe that when you start looking at totaling up the numbers of wins that you've had that kind of to me is like an indication that you're finishing um, because I believe I'm nowhere near finished with my Ironman career and I'm not really ready to, to settle down and count the numbers yep. so yeah. So race week, so can you talk me through your race week like from maybe from here forward what do you kind of do and how do you get yourself in the mindset to you know achieve on the day? Really? It's not much different than other weeks, um, just that the training's a lot shorter, <laughs> a yeah. lot shorter and nowhere near as much. Uh, just yeah, probably start eating a bit more. Not no, not so much more, but maybe a little bit more carbs. 
Um, and really, if you start changing too many things between now and race time, it's just not you just you changing things that you shouldn't be changing and worrying about different things. So you just want to stay as normal as you possibly can, and really maybe just rest a bit more. Um, and and really, if you're going to drink some, maybe not so much water. I would say just dilute it with some electrolyte drinks, kind of thing. Um, really, you don't need to change a lot. I think just. Just rest and just enjoy it and, and don't think too much about the race day. So the race day comes along, you're, you've obviously proven that you've found your kind of formulas for success. You know, what do you go through in your mind on race day from like, talk, talk me through a day for you. Race day really, it's, it's hard to talk about what I do because I'm a firm believer in that on race day you just think about what you're doing at that time. So, you know, I mean the race of course or well, the morning starts at about I think four, four you wake up, uh, I have my coffee, have my breakfast, uh, probably oatmeal and then have a shower, I always like to have a shower before a race because I feel it's just, it just freshens you up and then head off down to transition about five, five twenty-ish and then get down there and do the stuff, go to your bike, do the check-ins, do the numbering, go to the bathroom and then from there on it's, it's really my subconscious takes over. So I can't really explain what that is just yet, yeah. <laughs> because I'm not in I'm not I'm not in race day. So it's it's really something that I have learnt to do um, while I'm out there racing, and it's something that I had to learn. John Acklin many years ago, he kind of taught me that you just got to you just got to do it inch by inch as you as you get out there and just as the as the day goes. So what, what do you find at this stage in your career the hardest part of Ironman on race day? For me, it is probably controlling my, not temper, but my mouth. Uh, <laughs> I have some, you know, I've got red hair and, and things sometimes if they're not going well or something's happened, I, I scream to every person that I know or that I don't even know, I don't really care, I just yell and make sure that they know the reason why I'm doing this and, yeah. and this is happening to me and only me, there's no one else who has a problem out there. So for me that's something that I have to work on because it's just giving the other athletes an advantage and, yeah. and I mean it's become, it's a long day but really if you break it down it's so short and, and if you're focused it just goes by so quick and you just can't afford to waste energy for 10 seconds, it's a waste of time. Yeah, totally. So where you're at in your career, you've achieved a lot. If, if you were to have one kind of highlight uh, up to this point, what would that be? Well, I suppose it's hard when you've won kind of some big events like you had, but do you have one kind of shining light? For me, really, it was probably the first win in Taupo in 2003. Uh, definitely was a breakthrough where people had always told me I can do it. And, and really, John Ackland, he, he kind of changed me or informed me that you know, for the last for the years leading up to that race, he'd always said, "You just have to focus. You just have to not talk and just go out there and let your subconscious take over." And I'm like, "Yeah, but John, it's like ten hours. Like, what? I can't expect not to talk for ten hours." And he said, "Just trust me. Try it." And and I, and I broke <laughs> at about oh my time was nine seventeen, so at about I guess eight forty five ish on the clock, coming back through uh, maybe five k's to go. I saw some friends and I hadn't spoken all day, but I just needed to talk to someone. Yeah. So I just broke out of the, out of my shell and I just said, look, I'm struggling, but I'm okay. 
so I was really happy that I made it, well I nearly made it all the way without talking, but I, I overcame a lot, and, and really if you're focused and you're in your subconscious state, the time just flies by, it just goes by, so really for me that was a highlight that uh, all of a sudden I, I changed, I just concentrated, and, and look what happened, I won the race in a record time, so yeah, I'm a firm believer in concentrating and focus on yourself, and yeah, I guess that's the result. So you, you talk a lot about conscious state when you're racing, and is that something you actually practice when you're out training? Actually, being, getting yourself in a conscious state, or is it just something no. you bring on game day? No, 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 I don't. No, I don't train like that. <laughs> if you train like that, you're going to be cooked by the time you get to race day. No, I mean there's of course certain workouts and your build up that you have to really focus on, but there's not that many. Yeah. Um, but you never should be in your race race state or race mind in training because. Yeah, you know, there's race day. That's yeah. what it is. There's one, you know, not one day a year, but there's, you know, maybe five days a year that you need to be like that. And if you're in it too many times, it's just going to become old. And you don't, you know, it's a special day, race day. You save a lot of things for that day. So, I really, I'm, I'm heart never in it until race day. So coming up for this race this year, we've got a few American girls. We've got three top American girls over here for this race. How do you yeah. look at the challenge, kind of coming up from behind you for the race? Uh, well, the girls there, Hello. I um, uh, they, they I raced against them many times over the, over the past few years, and no really, uh, I'm not going to focus too much on them. I know that Hillary's probably going to be out of the water yeah. uh, ahead of me. Um, she has just raced Wanaka, um, so I am aware of Hillary uh, and the other two girls, yeah, Kim Loeffler and uh, Heather Golnick. Uh, I, you know, I don't underestimate anyone. That's how I won my first race, uh, my first bike race. I, 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 oh, all the New Zealand cycling team underestimated me, and I came through and won. So you just cannot underestimate anyone. Uh, but I am, of course, aware of these girls yep. um, because I know their strengths and their weaknesses. So I, I just have to be aware, but really, I'm in a, such a long day, and you can't worry too much about them until they become a worry. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if if things get, to get a little bit too close, yep. then I would have to be concerned. But whoever that may be, yep. I, I'm not sure. So so your history, you, you, I don't really know much about what you did before triathlon. So you've been doing triathlon for about five, six years now, maybe? No, longer than that. Um, longer? Yeah, I started my first, well, I did that Kaho half in 1999. Okay, so it's been uh, So, years. yeah, so 99.9 was that. And then I did a Auckland marathon in, at the end of 99. Uh, to see if I could do a marathon. So then 2000 was my first Ironman, 2000 yep. March here, uh, my first Ironman, but before that I rode for New Zealand 95 through 98. Oh, okay. oh. We did the Commonwealth Games 98 oh. for cycling, and in 94 I represented New Zealand at the World Duathlon Champs. So why did you pull away from cycling? I pulled away from cycling because I wasn't a sprinter. Oh, yeah. And and I believe that I, I didn't want to go to America and live in an environment where I you know I'm represented by a team. Um, I felt that I wanted to do something for myself, and I needed a job. <laughs> <laughs> so luckily enough, I found this amazing sport to be my job, uh, where I can earn a living from it. So I felt that with cycling, I really was never going to be, you know, I guess the sprinter or the Lance Armstrong on the team. So I, I felt like I needed to do something for myself, so I, I had to go at, at triathlon and Ironman, and I've never looked back. Um, so 
Now, now you've been doing this for pretty much poor, maybe four, five, six, seven, eight years as a pro athlete traveling the world. What are some of the really cool things about being a pro athlete traveling the world? Uh, well, you get to yeah travel the world, <laughs> doing what you love. Um, it's it's really incredible that you know, I got I got to meet my husband doing this sport. Um, you know, Armando's from Venezuela, and <laughs> uh, not, you know, just imagine when you go to school, where's Venezuela? Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, it's just incredible that the people that are drawn to do this sport is just is just amazing. It's, it's all over the world, and that's really cool. And that's all of us have this passion, and yeah, really, it's just it's just. You get, you get to travel the world, which is sometimes hard. You know, people think, oh, yeah, how hard's that? Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, it's quite lonely sometimes. I mean, luckily enough, you know, Amado and I, we go together. Um, but, you know, you're away from your, you might, you know, New Zealand for, for five or six months, and, and that's hard. You're living out of a suitcase. And, you, you know, I'm 33 and Amado's 34, and we've, we've just, you know, bought our first kind of house. <laughs> Um, so, but we don't really have anything in it. Yeah. <laughs> we just have, we just have about you know five bikes, fifty wheels, and a treadmill, <laughs> and that's pretty much it. And of course, you know, a good fridge and a good microwave. So, you know, that that's hard. You know, many many of our friends are sitting down. You know, of course they're married and they've got kids, and you're like, well, kids. Whew, I don't even know when that's going to be. Yeah. But I definitely want them, but I'm not sure when it's going to be. Yeah. So, so, so my next question was going to be, what are the hard things? So that would be maybe the sacrifice that you make to have this this life. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. It's it's. But then again, you know, it's not that hard, is it? You know, I get to go around the world. It's just incredible. You get to live and breathe in Europe, and it, you know, there's just something special about that. And and we're getting to swim, bike, and run in all these amazing places in the world. And yeah. you know, hopefully at the end of it, sometimes you get paid, and yeah, you know, that's incredible. One, one thing we have a big issue on the show, well, big discussions about it, is, is the drug issue in the sport. Uh, oh, she's getting nice and deep here in, in, in the massage. She's put us pretty good facials. Um, the drugs in the sport, do you, what are your, your thoughts on drugs, and do you think they're out there a lot? And uh, your thoughts, maybe? You know, I think that I don't even really think about drugs. Um, I know that, well, I don't know if they're out there because I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, of course, there's some people who have um, got busted. Um, yeah. And so I'm sure it is out there, but I just don't know how they could do that because you just, I mean, maybe it's only New Zealanders that get tested all the time. I'm not sure, but, yeah. you know, I know that Cam and myself get tested all the time. Do you really? So, yeah. So they just knock at the door, bing bong, and there they are. And yeah. I even get tested in the States um, randomly by New Zealand. Wow. Um, they contact USADA over there, and so we get knocked at the door whatever time. Wow. And And so... Really, I just don't know how people can do it when they just get tested all the time. Or maybe their countries don't get tested, I'm not sure. Yeah. And at every race that you do, we always get drug tested. So uh, it's something that I just I just don't, I can't relate to because I just, I can't comprehend how, how, I don't even know how to do it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, um, uh, what was I going to do with the next question? Um, I can forget this because I forgot what I was going to say. Um, okay, okay. So, so you you you're kind of just about there on the Hawaii level. It's it's obviously that's probably the ultimate goal for you to, is to try and get the Hawaii title for you. Yeah. Like I'm looking at my own training. You know, every year trying to make small improvements. Where where do you kind of how do you try to make those small improvements every year to get you closer to that big goal of Hawaii? Really, I don't believe that it's. I mean, of course, it's to do with your training, but. Uh, I think that it's how you approach the day, and maybe it is how you approach the whole build-up. It's just another Ironman, yeah. and and I've only just learnt that I, d I just expect too much. It's just another Ironman. Why are we putting it in this 
blimmin' top of the world, top of the, I mean, it's the world champs, yes, but it's still an Ironman. It's still the same distance, yeah. probably the same athletes. So really, we just have to, I just have to remain focused on the job and not worry that it's the world champs. Like, if I went into this weekend just thinking about five, 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 I probably may not get the five. So yeah. I really think that over in the past, I have expected too much and put too much into Hawaii. And it's the same thing. It's yeah. the same that we do on Saturday. Yeah. Um, so really, we just cannot treat it like anything different. It just has to be the same because that's what it is. Yeah, it's definitely. Is, is it hard to do that, though? Because obviously Hawaii, you know, the prestige and all the history and the marketing yeah. stories and all that kind of stuff, is it, you know, how, how do you actually go about trying to eliminate all that from well, your mind? No, I think that what we have to do with Hawaii is maybe that the elements we have to maybe prepare ourselves differently yeah. for. Yeah. Okay, it's still an Ironman, yes, but it's a lot hotter and a lot windier than a lot of our other Ironman. So, um, yeah, you really have to, to train yourself for the elements, which is, of course, different than most other Ironmans, but then I guess Ironman Malaysia can be exactly the same. Yeah, I've never yeah. been there, but, well, of course, I'm just for Commonwealth Games, but I've never done a triathlon there. So, uh, you know, there's that to, to play there. But really, Hawaii, uh, you know, it's just, yeah, I, I think the elements really, and maybe that you can't leave anything unturned for that race, but then you can't do that for any race because it's still a race. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah it's, it's a hard one. I mean, that's the world champs. Everyone who wants to try and be the world champion will be there, but, yeah, it's still just an Ironman. Last year you had an amazing race in Roth, and I think we meant to say Roth, if one gives me trouble yeah, with that, but what was it, 901? Yeah. What, wow, what an amazing race. Like, how, how was that? Was that just the biggest buzz coming in at kind of speed on the day? Well, I didn't even know until, like, I got, like, it's amazing that the finishing shoot there, you run around a stadium, but you enter one oh, side. Oh, you actually run around a... Yeah, no, wow. you, you run a U. So you run on one side of the stadium, all through these arches and everything, and these all these uh, samba uh, Brazilian yeah. salsa dancers. <laughs> uh, he flies them out from Brazil. Wow. Yeah, it's absolutely beyond, just amazing. And so you're running through all these, these arches with all these kids and balloons and everything, and they're following you and they're giving you flowers. So you run around one side of the track, and then you do a complete, like, uh, I guess half of 400 is a 200. Yeah. And so the finishing shoot is on the other side of the track, but I didn't know that. Oh. I didn't even look at the, you know, look at the finishing shoot. So um, as I ran in, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're like, no, the finish is over the other side. <laughs> so I had no idea. I didn't even know what the time was. Um, so, yeah, it was incredible to see. But... Yeah, you know, I didn't look at. I just didn't focus on the time. Yeah. Um, but did it feel faster? No, no, it's still not. No, yeah. I had no idea. I, I looked at my watch actually as I was running, and I thought, oh, whatever time of day it was, I think, oh, that must be about nine and a half by now or something like that. I was thinking, oh yeah, um, yeah, not nine and a half hours. I don't. That's about it. And then I got to the finishing shoot. And Matt Tuck actually said to me, he said, "What the heck are you doing? Look at the bloody time!" Wow. <laughs> and I'm like. Wow, I didn't even know, but I also actually st suffered from really bad stomachs on the run, oh, okay. and I had diarrhea five times. Oh, no, so probably. yeah, so I probably could have broken nine hours, but you know, I didn't. So yeah. So, yeah. Hey, um, so so big goals coming up for this year. Then after this race this weekend, what what's the plan for this year for you from here forward? Yeah, well, to get that by nine hours, <laughs> nine hours of broth. Yeah, so you're going to yeah. broth again? Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. No, it's an incredible place. Yeah, just everyone there was so great to me. Um, yeah, no, definitely go back to Roth. So really, after this, I'm not sure. I haven't really decided. Uh, but definitely Roth and Hawaii uh, are the, the two goals again. Do, uh, do you do many 70.3s? No, I haven't. But um, I'm thinking that uh, just like two weeks ago, I did the Stroke and Stride, and I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I, in the past, I haven't raced a lot. 
because I think that I put too much pressure on myself to perform. Yeah. Uh, expectation again. So I just thought with the Stroke and Stride two weeks ago, I just had so much fun. And there was no expectation. Like, people are like, you're doing the race. I'm like, yeah, I'm doing it. Yeah, shoot, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be you know, up the front. Uh, so, you know, I just had so much fun that I, I kind of thinking that it, it also breaks up your training. Um, you don't have to win every race. That's that's what's so mm. great about the sport. You know, there, there's so many people and, and there's so many strengths and weaknesses out there. And you can one day have a great swim and then, you know, a crap run. So that's what I like about the triathlon. So I think that this year I'd like to maybe do a few more races, but just do it for fun and doing this training and, and yeah, that's what we're here for, like, you know. <laughs> hey, just, just kind of lastly, you, with your own training, are you a big volume person or are you, are you more like shorter with quality? Or what kind of training are you into? Well, I used to be with, uh, with John Acklin, of course, in my first three or four years, um, a lot of high mile yeah. and uh, not a lot of pacing, yeah. but I believe that that was done perfectly at the right time. Uh, everything was done for a reason to teach me how to pace. Well, not to pace, but just to give me the endurance pace that you need. You yep. can't not, you know, a beginner cannot go in and do, here, I want you to do 10 400s or whatever, you know, on the track, and I want you to do three times 10 minutes on the run, and I want you at this speed, because beginners are just going to, they're going to be like, what the heck? Yeah. What are all these numbers? Like, I believe that one of the secrets to Ironman is just, is just getting a good base in, but not too much. That you know, not 50 hour weeks. That's too much. But, but definitely for for beginners, really start with a good endurance, uh, which gives you the confidence that you can do it. And then, you know, maybe after I don't know, two or three years in the sport, then start dealing with numbers. Like I only just started using a a watch probably two years ago. That's when I actually started racing an Ironman with a watch. Yeah. Not a heart rate, just a watch. Yeah. So I actually knew what I was running. Yeah. But before that, I had no fucking idea. I'm like, oh. what the heck? Well, what does that mean if I'm doing 4.30s? Right, I don't know what that means. I don't know. What does that mean? Uh, to me, I just I just run. So I believe that we did it the right way. I yeah. really do. And so now it's a bit more pacing work. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you, because now I believe that I'm racing. So you have to race within your within your ability. Yep. Um, you don't want to do someone else's race. So if I have a watch there, well, that's proof. That's me. Yep. I know what I can do. So uh, definitely, yeah, it helps you a lot. Just lastly, to wrap it up, uh, who is, what, how would you define yourself as an athlete? Who's Joe Lawn as an athlete? It's a big one. Oh, as an athlete? Yeah. Um, oh, I don't know, a girl living her dream, I guess. Yeah. You know, it's something that I, I believe that everyone is here for a reason. And, and, and if you have a dream, if you have a thought, a passion or anything, and you're not doing it, then I advise you to do it because you, you have that thought and that, that, visualization, that visualization for some reason and don't ignore it because it may be crazy to someone else, but it's completely natural to you. So I, I believe if you have a thought, a, a vision, a dream, I believe you should chase it. Nice. Well, uh, thanks, Jeff, for coming along. Well, leave me come along to yeah. your massage session, yeah. and uh, today. And big, you know, hope you win this. We can get the five. It'd be really cool. And yeah. just want to say thanks for all you Kiwis out there because you're kind of the female representing us out in the world, and you're doing a really great job. And we really appreciate that. And I'm sure our world listeners don't mind me saying that. And uh, good luck this weekend, and good luck with your year coming up. Yeah. Thank you, and same to you. <laughs> cool. Thanks, sweet. I'll come back in with Joe because you've got to do one thing when you have a star on the show, and you've got to give them a bit of love for their sponsors. So, Joe, do you want to talk a little bit about your sponsors for us? 
Yeah, um, this year I've got uh, a lot of new sponsors actually. That's good. Um, yeah, I've changed my shoes to from from Nike to Asics. Nice. Yeah, I just um, yeah, it's something that I needed to do. Yep. And um, my feet are loving it. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just see how how fast they go on a Saturday though. <laughs> um, and then I've got Bonita Bananas, which I've been yep. with for, for for two years now, and and they of course they, they help out at the race here at Taupo. Uh, I've got bodysmart.co.nz, yeah. which is it's a it's a great place. It's actually where Roger, my massage therapist, is at. He's based out of there. It's a it's a gym where I go and work out probably two or three times a week. Not of course during heavy training, but it's a it's a great gym. I absolutely love it. Um, it's personal training. There's a lot of personal trainers there. It's not a big big gym where yeah. everyone goes and goes to look. It's just there. It's great. It's it's for you know, there's a lot of Swiss balls, uh, you know, core, yeah, yeah, a lot of core core strength, and there's for some free weights, but it's more about you using your your body um, with some resistance and really like neuromuscularly training parts um, that of course is very helpful in Ironman um, because you want to train those those pathways so that when you start getting tired, mm -hmm. uh, hang on, uh, I'm yeah. strong. Yeah. So it's not just the big muscles; it's the smaller muscles too. So uh, they, they've been a great help to me, of course. Yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't be here today if, yeah. if Roger or Body Smart were there. So um, that's great to have them on board. And also um, a new, it's a food company called Sunreal. They make a lot of cereals, fruits, nuts, um, yeah, um, a new brand of fruit flakes uh, called Snack and Go. And they, yeah, they'd be great. And of course, I've got Two Times You, which is my clothing sponsor. Yep. Super comfortable, super, yeah, just. The fabrics are just beautiful, yeah. <laughs> and the wetsuit is, is super, super nice, super fast. I believe. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I've got Oakley sunglasses, uh, Thompson's Health Nutrition. They, 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 yeah, keep me fit and healthy and, and injury, not injury free, but they, yeah, a lot of their, their products yeah. uh, support my joints and things. And. Really, I don't. Oh, Savello, of course. Oh, oh my you God. Don't get the bikes, <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking, what else do I do? I ride bikes. <laughs> Savello, of course. Oh, my God, my new P3. Oh, uh, P3 carbon, the black and white one. Oh. So it's great, actually, because I always like to, to be proud of being a New Zealander, and it's black and white, so I don't even have to drive. Nice. It's right at nice. the bold as ever. So, and it's, oh, I just love the bike. Absolutely incredible. And then the zip wheels. Yeah. Uh, I've got actually a couple of new ones that have come out. Um, that they, they have the golf dimples. Yeah, I've seen those. They're cool, yeah, they? yeah, well, yeah, they're in the house and they're, <laughs> they're right next to the bed. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they're, they're going to be bought out on Saturday. A disc wheel, of course. I just love the disc here. Taupo's a perfect course yeah. for, for a disc. Um, yeah, I've got Caliber Bike Shop. Jay, the mechanic's coming down tomorrow to to, yeah, to, to help us out. So that's great. You know, it's, it's a big stress, the bike. So um, Aquasphere goggles. I just love them. I put them on. I don't even do anything. Just, yeah, I don't know, I just don't even think about them. I put them on, well, they, yeah. they don't need any water in there, amazing. Um, gosh, I need to have a list. Yeah, I'll tell you what, you can tell the difference between a top-level pro and <laughs> by the number of sponsors it got. It's great to see you getting so much support. So, yeah, yeah that's uh, cool. Thanks for that, Joe. Yeah. So, as Joe Lawrence, was uh, pretty good and, uh, yeah, beautiful. Very good. We're going to pretty much wrap up the show from here, aren't we? Because yeah. Yep. Yeah, we're going a long time. Uh, we're going to questions and answers. So we've got a lot. We've got so many questions to catch up on. So next week we're going to cut out Coach's Corner and we're going to have... <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, mate. It's all right. 
You'll be back. <laughs> You'll be back. So we're going to cut out Coach's Corners next week, and uh, pretty much half the show we're going to devote just to answering all your questions. Now, we've already got a lot of questions to catch up on, yeah. So, and a lot of people in particular are asking about doing an epic camp type of show, and we'll actually cover that in the Coach's Corner, won't we? Yeah. How to do an epic camp type training. Um, anything else to add? Names you need to mention, because we're the names up there that you had to... You know, say on the show. Uh, we met one guy out in the bar afterwards, Stephen yep. Leslie. Stephen. He's from Auckland. And, and yeah. I had to mention John and oh, there's so many names. Andrew. Yeah. Wanted to mention. Oh, there's yeah. so many people to mention. Damn I got a photo of Mike Riley. Oh, did you? Yeah. So Guy and I, what we did is we got the camera, because Hillary Biscay had a camera, and um, I'll put it on the website next week. So we got the camera, and we were trying to get random photos. Yeah. So we went up to Mike Riley, got the photo of Mike Riley, and then Guy was in the background, put on his funny-ish <laughs> face. So uh, it was very, it was a good night out, wasn't it? It was fun. Yeah. yeah. A few laughs, a few laughs. People were getting pretty trolleyed. Mm. Yeah. The only problem with our sport, if you're a male and you're single... There's not much, not much <laughs> happening out there. And you're like girls, you know, and like it's a, it's, it's, you go to the pub after a race and there's about, what is it, 90 like, to 10? Yeah, <laughs> like, not a lot. Yeah, so luckily we're not single. Exactly. And we're, we're in love and yeah, soon mm. uh, Coffees of Hawaii. Your, your Coffees of Hawaii. Oh, so, my funny story. Wait a second, have I got any funny stories? Um, um, no. <laughs> so, coffees of Hawaii. So coffees of Hawaii, fantastic support. A few people pulled up at the uh, expo, yeah. and uh, they got they got some samples of coffees. Oh, I've got a funny story. Expo. So we have our hour long, you know, meet up <laughs> as you do. We're doing, you know, hour long. Get to the first day. Oh, thousands of people turn up. Second day, we get there again. John turns up because oh, I'm going to leave at half past. What? <laughs> I've got to share love. I had to pick my wife up, and I was left, late. Left me in the lurch. Yeah, it's oh, a commitment. But no, coffees of Hawaii. Proudly support the show. Coffeeshawaii.com. Get yep. on there. If you're a US or Canadian citizen, you can just order direct from the site. If you're not, you just get on there and email them, say you're an Ironman Talk listener, and they'll sort you out your deal. But it's uh, it's good stuff. Tell you what, because we got those gift packs, mm. and I know I often talk about the smell, but it was pretty sensational, wasn't it? Was. So we're at the Blue 70 booth, and we have to give the big up to the Blue 70 because exactly. they were really good at supporting us, but, and also got a free wetsuit, so I was loving that. But... Uh, we were at their booth, and we basically just gave out a few packets of coffees of Hawaii to people who turned up and watched. And uh, we had the gift packs, and you'd open up the gift packs, mm. and the smell. Mm. Oh. I like that. Oh, yeah. So, anyway. It's all good stuff. Coffeesofhawaii.com. Check coffees them out. Of Hawaii. Yeah. Go Coffees of Hawaii. What else? We've got Man uh, Talk for all our this week's show notes. Now, I've been spending time on the internet today kind of fixing our website or just improving it. With the archives page, I'm going to have it so that you can listen to the old shows on the archive pages now. So um, on the archive page, there's going to be the show notes for each show. And next to it, there's kind of a grey box. If you click on the grey box, you can then go directly and listen to the show from there and then. Or uh, you can eternally still go to iTunes, but uh, lots, we get lots of people who just listen to the show from the website, so we've put that up there. Um, we're also looking to do a few more things to the website this week because I've got some spare time, but you probably won't notice those until next week. Um, if you can click an ad on the website, that's really cool. That gives us some revenue. And also, if you're going to buy anything from Amazon, go through our little store and we get some commission on that. Um, any email questions, it's dub dub dub. No, no, it's it's Iron Man Talk. I haven't done that in a long time, have I? No. John's writing down the finishing thing right now because we've got a lot of hassles about that. So if you've got any email questions, it's ironmantalk at gmail.com. Anything else? John's coaching website? Triathloncoach.net, which is going to be revamped shortly. Shortly, is it? I'm talking to somebody about tomorrow night, so I've got it all lined up. It's exciting times. Anything anything we can... Just give me a minute here. I'm just writing this down. Okay. And also... Uh, if you want to get that stretching book, you can go on then. And what are you up to for the week, John? 
I'm catching up on work I didn't do last week. I always go away to these races with some work there ready to do, and yep. I never get done. <laughs> <laughs> so I've just got a bit of a catch-up, and uh, just some easy training, a, bit of, a little bit of spinning on my bike, a little bit of easy swimming. Uh, you know, I haven't got anything imminent. Oh, I'm off to Poland in a few months to do a camp over there, but it's really a case of just uh, trying to get a bit of the old uh, crap out of the legs, really. What about yes. you? Well, I was in so much pain after the race. Mm-hmm. Literally, if I bent my knees, my knees, my muscles, my quads couldn't hold me up and I'd basically fall over. So <laughs> today's the first day when I can really honestly walk without that much pain. Yesterday, I was hopeless. Sunday, I was hopeless. So I'm in recovery mode. I've got, I'm basically, I've taken this week off work and I'm just basically spending some time doing some hobby things. So I'm fixing the website, just enjoying time with my daughter, Gosh. you know, it's the love, mate, you know. Drinking coffee. Oh, yeah. Coffee's a white coffee. Oh, yeah. Love that stuff. Good. So uh, other than that, pretty easy week for me. Anyway, uh, th- oh, just lastly, thanks for all your guys' support. It was really nice to get all your mm. emails, and uh, I know the Try Talk had a bit of a post up about us, so go to Try Talk. And did you know that there was some signs out there for us as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. and there was even like Go Mully. Yeah, <laughs> I wasn't the love in the Mully actually, because lots of people were going, "How you going, Mully?" I'm like, angry man. It didn't find me out, but so. Uh... And, but yeah, so they have signs. It's a good way for fundraising. They have signs on the course, and people had. Uh, I'm in talk and go yeah, John, go yeah. Bevan, and that was good. That was so, superstars, mate. Yeah, appreciate yeah. the support. The show's going on. We could probably talk for another twenty minutes. Okay. <laughs> we're at an hour twenty, so you guys are getting bored. Anyway, we've, we've written it down this week, and we have written it down before, but we're going to get it right this week, aren't we? Yeah. You can go first. Iron rusts. Iron men don't train hard. Train smart. Kia, Kia kaha. Kaha. Oh, We're just brilliant, aren't we? There we go. There we go.